What's up, Hyperfast Nation? On this episode of the Hyperfast Wealth Show, I sat down with an amazing guest. He has over 30 years of experience in real estate as a syndicator, operator, investor, and commercial broker. Welcome to the show, Joe Killinger. Welcome to the show today, Joe. How are you doing? Not too bad. How are you doing, Dan? I'm doing great. Uh, excited to talk about real estate with you today. Give our listeners a little bit of your background before we dive into uh, the topics and lessons that we're going to talk about today. I've been a an, an real estate entrepreneur for a lot of years, for about 30 years now. And so I've had startups from a tech company that we launched out of Dallas, Texas, to a property management company we sold just before the pandemic started got out of that just in time and uh and then we have a commercial brokerage company here in los angeles called commercial brokers international that we've we launched about 16 years ago uh then after you know, during the pandemic we lost a good number of agents so we're doing a little bit of a rebuild right now and uh then we also have uh, my website joekillinger.co that we do that's geared for mentoring people that want to become real estate investors or real estate agents Awesome. So you, you've done a lot of stuff: investing, agent <laughs> yeah. training. Uh, what's yeah. what's your favorite part of real estate, and why? Right now, you know, I really and Dan, this comes from when I I started. You know, this was this was in the the nineties, late eighties, early nineties, and when I started, there was just well, there was no internet, so you didn't really have access to information like you do now, but. The opportunity for a mentor was very, it, it was difficult. And so I always thought back then, man, when I get, because I, I made a lot of mistakes when I started off, because that was the only way you really got out there and, and really knew how to do it. You know, I always thought when I get going, I'm always going to create a, an opportunity that I can give back to the community that's been, been good to me. So the mentoring is something I love. Uh, I love seeing uh, an investor that goes out and starts creating success after working with them for a while or a real estate agent. I mostly focus on commercial real estate agents because that's what we do. But they come in and you see them start from nothing and then grow their business. And it's just, it's fun to see that growth. What do you, what do you think right now, today, this is, we're, we're recording this uh, second week in February. Um, you know, we just saw inflation, 7.2% oh. or something for January, highest in 40 years. Uh, yeah. Supply chain. We don't, we don't have to reiterate how, how that's been affecting the industry. But, you know, if, if you were a new investor today, uh, yeah. just starting off, um, what, you know, what would you do in this environment? It's, you know, you know, Dan, I've been through, you know, September 11th, obviously, was a terrible time in this country, right? And when you talk to anybody weeks after that, you know, oh, nobody's ever going to fly again. Cut to three months later, planes were full, everybody was going everywhere. Americans are pretty resilient. We tend to bounce back. We're always looking forward, it seems. So 
we tend to, to really not dwell on the past and like how can we make this better and how can we fix it so that doesn't happen again. And you know, I think it's a lot of opportunity for a real estate investor right now if you do it wisely. You know, what is the, a good hedge against inflation is something you want to think about. And then you also need to really do a lot of research on how long will this inflation last. You know, is it going to be another year, another two years? Historically, it never lasts that long. I mean, but we're we're getting a pretty good jolt of it right now. So, I really think it's a good time to becoming a real estate investor, going out and find the asset class that you think is best for your area. You know, multifamily's always been a good hedge against inflation because the 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 time of the shorter leases and all that. So that's always a good one. Um, the Airbnb things that people are doing are buying smaller uh, fourplexes, five play, you know, on up. They're buying those and Airbnb and making it, making a killing. So there's a lot of opportunity out there. Yeah, I, I like both of the ones you mentioned there, Airbnb and multifamily. What's what's your sweet spot on on multifamily? Like, what what areas do you like? What deal sizes? Number of units? You know, we have uh, we like to see some of the bigger we not institutional size, but I want to see. Well, it depends on where you're at. Now, we were we don't we've sold out everything in California and Texas. All we're completely out of multifamily right now, uh, because people were bringing us offers that. And I'll give you an example. So I had a, a 73 unit in Dallas, Texas. We were <laughs> not a building I'm proud of, right? The outside was terrible, but the inside units were pristine. They were very nice, and we had great tenants there long term. What we planned on doing is 73 units on about little, we had a little over an acre there. We were going to demo it, add about 30% more units, and rebuild. Well, we got offers in on that, unsolicited offers that came in that were pretty near where we got if we went through all that brain damage of the redevelopment and all that. So we ended up just selling our assets and then buying triple net properties around the country. But, you know, I like to see a little bigger, you know. You know, if you could get 20 units, now in LA, 20 units is a pretty good sized property, right? But in Texas, that's not that big. Right. Um, but in California, 10 plus units I like to see. Uh, that way if you have some vacancies. Um, but in Texas, you wanna see 20 plus units. And again, I would be looking at more outer lying areas. You know, not you know, it's, yeah, those are the ones I like. And is that I, I is that because of price point? Needs. Or is that because you think long term more people are going to want bigger spaces, so they'll move a, a little yeah. bit further from the city core? Or what's what's the yeah, thinking? Yeah, a little there? bit more from the city core, bigger apartments to give them. Um, so what we do is we'll go into these apartments, Class B, Class C, go in and, and completely redo them, and then we'd add amenities that really are attractive to that community. It depends on the community you're in too. So um, we really have, that's a method that's worked well for us. So you're you're. I guess your target renter is going to be like working class. Uh, yeah. yeah, working class people that um, live within five miles of the project of the of the property, and um, yeah, then we try and suit them. The amenities are a thing right now, right? You know, it's you really want to have good solid amenities. A, a dog run is, is key. Um, you know, and there's things that you can do, Dan, that are so easy for, and here's something that, you know, I was talking to an, a, an investor that's been around a long time, and he goes, well, what do you guys do to add value? And I said, well, the easiest thing, the best thing we've had luck with is an accent wall. So what you do is you go in and you have five colors that you've picked. You go into Home Depot, find five colors that are nice colors that you think most people would like, 
And when people come into lease, you offer them, hey, for an extra $25 a month, we can add an accent wall or whatever the number. If it's, those are LA prices, right? right. 25 <laughs> a month, but you know, 10 bucks a month, 15 bucks a month, whatever the number is, add that to the top of the lease and you add an accent wall. And so now he's out doing that in all of his apartments, but adding accent walls, always looking for ways to really add value. Um, you know, if you have a big lot and there's no parking, do half of them with covered parking and charge extra for covered parking. It's not that expensive just to build a carport. Yeah, I, I like I like that accent wall idea. Actually, yeah. like we I did an interview with Michael Elefante a couple. Mm -hmm. I think that one went live about a month ago. But he's he's a big Airbnb investor. Yeah, and he actually used accent walls to to make you know the. Yeah. units or I guess they're essentially ho it hotels it really like it makes it memorable so people coming on vacation like they take pictures in front of it and you know all sorts yeah. of stuff because it's you know he, he does like murals or you know decorations oh, okay. he goes all out yeah, yeah. And, and but it on Airbnb you know that's that's driving his occupancy up his price per night yeah. and there's, there's organic reach because people take Instagram selfies in front of it so it's, you yeah. know those little things like that can can make a, a big difference. I you know I like the carport idea too. That's that's oh yeah those are cheap to yeah, put we in. Yeah, we had a we had a property in Texas. It was I think four hundred units, and no parking whatsoever. So we just built built um, they were concrete pole or uh, steel poles with um, aluminum tops. Now we did get a snowstorm shortly after and caved a lot of them in. So that was a lesson learned. But so don't do that when you're in the snow area. But uh, it costs us like $700 uh, per stall, but we were renting them out for $50 a month. Now that, that added a lot of value to that property. So we're doing that and the accent wall. Just those extra things really add a lot to our return. Now if an, an investor were you know gonna come to you and, and ask for advice, uh, like single family versus multifamily, like pros and cons or you know, right. why should they do one or the other? What would you tell them? I'm, I'm a commercial guy, you know, I really like right now, I'm really looking at, um, you know, multifamily and then converting multifamily people into triple net, but single family is great if you can get the, it's just hard to buy them right now, right? It, it's, everybody's hot after residential, so are you, you're buying at the top of the market, and so you just got to, you want to be careful with that, but, you know, and then once a single family home goes vacant, you're covering that mortgage payment. Uh, all by yourself. Now, if you've got three, four units, at least part of that's going to be paid. So I tend to lead, lead toward, you know, if you want to start and you want to get investing, I would do, you know, duplexes, triplexes, fourplexes at least. And then that way you can still do the lower down and get in. And um, yeah, it's a good way to get started. Well, and I, you know, I think in terms of scale, you, you hit, you hit something pretty important. You know, A, it's, Going out and finding twenty single families is going to be hard. B. Uh, you're going to get capped out on the financing because the uh, you don't have yeah. the same types of, of loans available, right? Yeah. Yeah. You know, another good thing you can do, Dan, is if you have a home right now, and you you want to become an investor. And I talked to a single family person the other day. He, he's big wig in tech. Um, he's done very well because I want to really start investing in real estate. He goes, but. You know, we've, our company's been struggling because of COVID, but I want to get started investing. 
And so what he's doing is he's moving out of his house and he's going to lease that out for, uh, what is it, two, one or two years you have to do so he can, it becomes an investment then. So he's going to rent it out, become an investment, and then he's going to exchange it into either multifamily or, or uh, triple nets next year, STNLs next year. So that's another way to get started is to move out of your house, go rent a place for a year or two. You have to check with a 1031 exchange. And maybe you know, Dan, I'm not sure how long it is, um, that you have to season it before it becomes an investment. You have to leave it leased out before it becomes an investment, and then you can invest into other asset classes. So you've, you've hit on uh, or mentioned triple net a couple times. Yep. Are, you, are, you, are you favoring that now over multifamily? I like it now just for, I think it's a stage in my life, right? Is, you know, I was a little higher risk before, and so we sold our multifamily properties, and we've been drawing, uh, buying STNLs, uh, Chase Banks we bought. Uh, some of them are in prime areas, but they were going dark, but there's eight, 10 years left on the lease, so they're still paying. And then we're out actively looking for other tenants to go in there, um, fast food tenants in some of these areas. Uh, but again, it's, it's the location. We look for high traffic, signalized intersections. I want at least 40,000 cars a day, signalized intersection, uh, development going on in the area. We look for all of that. And that's just a phase we're in right now. And now, and it's, it's harder to get into because you know, you're going to a commercial loan. You're going to be 35 plus down. So and these things are selling for a couple million that we're looking at. And you, you mentioned, uh, just, just so everyone can make sure we're on the same page, you mentioned the, uh, going dark. Oh, oh, sorry, what, yes. Yeah, what is... That uh, means that they've, um, they're still paying the, the lease for the next eight and a half years, but they've moved out. So Chase Bank, the one property, uh, Chase Bank, they built right down the street. Brand new, ours they've been in for several, like 16 years already, or 15 years already. And they've renewed at one point, um, but they're still paying their lease for the next eight years, eight or eight and a half years, uh, which gives us time to go out and find a new tenant to put in there. So this is something where the, the corporation decided we don't we don't want to run in this location anymore for whatever reason but there's there's like a corporate guarantee well, so they, they, they still they want to move down to a street there's in this one particular property i'm talking about there's a uh, it's all redevelopment getting ready to come in and they are on the they're on the edge of it now where it's already started where we are at is where it's probably it's going to end and so they were just going to go ahead and move down there it's a little bit further south um probably a better location on a busier street and so that's why they want to be down there and then you've you've got a a lot of time now, right, to go find the next tenant. And I guess yeah. if, if someone yeah. was ready now, yeah. they would they would just take over the existing or Yeah, we'll probably go in for a buyout on the lease. We'll go to Chase, go, hey, you've got eight years left, let's let's negotiate, you know, uh, whatever the number is. And then we'll take it to that to the new tenant, potential tenant, say, Here, take this money, rebuild your property and you know, let's let's get you going again. It'll take about a year and a half to get it done, and then we've got a brand new property and a great location. And uh, triple net, right? So you you get someone in there for triple net, you yeah. you don't have to worry about taxes, yeah, insurance, just, yeah, you just let the, maintenance. You, the check just shows up in the account, and it's nice. No property management. It's a great way to build a base, but you know, getting started is a little harder. That's why I like to see people, you know, start with your smaller properties. Build yourself up. Don't take too much risk. You know, I think when I was younger, and I've made a big mistake. I bought a uh, three-story walk-up, 
in what is now Koreatown, and it's a cool, hip area, but not when I was there. <laughs> and uh, so when, I, when we bought it, it was kind of a gang-infested area, and I, you know, it was my second property I ever bought. And it was, I had a hell of a time keeping those top two, two units occupied because who wanted to carry groceries up three sets of stairs? They don't do that here in California. And so we had a problem there. So I learned that lesson is don't, don't do that. I mean, the units were huge. They were probably almost 2,000 square feet, beautiful architecture. But that community, you know, I just, I really love that building. So but I should have really took a harder look at the numbers and made a mistake there. So and did that, uh, um, you know, were you losing money every month or lost money when you sold no, or just, how did that? It made, a, it made a little bit of money, but if I'd have kept those two units leased all the time, it had done very, very well. Now our first property we bought was a home run. I bought that for, I think we bought it for 275 and then six years later sold it for 1.25, something like that. So that was my first one. I got lucky there, but the second one kind of brought that down. I, I think there's a, an important lesson though in that second one, even though compared to some of the other stuff you did, it didn't do well, um, you still made out okay, right? Yeah. It's not like yeah. when the stock market crashes, you know, you lose, yeah. you lose half your yeah, value overnight, right? Yeah. Well, that's the thing with real estate, you know, and why I love it is if you can hold on to it, you know, it eventually, in the right markets, not all markets now, um, it's, it's, it's a good, solid investment. You know, and I, I really think, during, I was reading this morning about how Chipotle now is really even restructuring the way they're doing things, and they're going into smaller communities. And that's, I mean, people are really getting entrepreneurial with, and I think that's going to create opportunity for for newer investors because those won't take near as much land. You know, it's not going to take as much real estate. I think it'll be cheaper for people to get into. Is there an area in real estate right now that you you wouldn't touch or that or that maybe scares you a little bit? Obviously, you like multifamily. You yeah. like um, triple net stuff. No, I do. I love triple net. Um, I'm, I'm really, I'm a little hesitant on industrial. I mean, I'd love to get my hands on it, but I don't put a lot of time and energy into it because there's such big, big institutional money looking at all, all levels of that. And so that's one thing I just really haven't looked at. Now, that's in, that's in Los Angeles that we're looking, so keep that in mind. It depends on their market. But, um, yeah, I mean, office is a little bit, you know, I think there's going to be some opportunity in office because if you start looking at the numbers, I think people are going to be back to work a little sooner than everybody was expecting. And I mean, I, and I can gauge it by our phones here. I'm in a commercial brokerage company here in Los Angeles. So, you know, we're getting calls about offices now. I'm saying, hey, I want to expand my office or I want to downsize it because we let people go. But the phones are starting to ring on. So I think there's going to be more activity a little sooner than expected. Yeah. What's, what's your take on that? I, I haven't seen numbers on office and, yeah. and return to office it's yet been, but are, are people coming back and what and what do you kind of forecast yeah, yeah we're starting to see it traffic in la is coming back quick <laughs> i got a little nervous this morning I'm like oh christ i better better fly no it's um you're starting to see more activity people are coming back to the office um you know we're all seeing this work from home i think there's obviously there's going to be a hybrid uh, there's going to be the you know work from home a few a few days a week or a day or a week or whatever it is but you know we are social animals we tend to really want to be our social beings we want to be in the office and be social around our friends 
And I think what's coming in, and I just had a meeting on Monday, and this guy does productivity software, and he's been, he's been hired by all, uh, several major companies. They've been putting that out, and the employees aren't liking it. And he goes, yeah, there a lot of, as soon as we go in and start putting stuff on their computers to measure productivity, they're just starting to come into the office. And so <laughs> that's funny. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He goes, my business is booming. It goes at least for a little while. He goes, because companies are, you know, they want, they, I know what they've said in the past. You know, they couldn't talk about productivity being down because if you in a company, because if you have investors or, you know, you can't say our productivity is down because of COVID and because everybody's working from home. I mean, you just, nobody wants to hear that. So they were always going to give that pitch. And, and this is coming from that guy. I just learned from him. And um, he said, yeah, he goes, I think we're going to be in the office. There's going to be a lot more people in the office sooner than expected. So office could be a, a good, depending on your area, you know, it's, you know, I was in Dallas all week last week and that place, I don't know if you've been there lately, but the growth is absolutely incredible. Yeah, I was, I was actually there a couple months ago for a conference and uh, yeah. I was, I was you, surprised by just how, yeah. how busy it was. It was, it was, it was slammed. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's just go, go, go. You know, I, I had a friend that sold their house uh, right when COVID was starting in Texas and they thought, you know, we're going to sell at the top of the market. And then we're going to buy something when COVID goes away and the market comes back down. And they can't buy a house now. It's gone up 22% since I sold. Wow. So, yeah. Where, you know, if, if, you, if you had to pull out your crystal ball and make a prediction on right. all of this, obviously we've got inflation like we haven't seen in, you know, four decades or so. We've got supply chain issues, so it's, it's harder to... To, to build things right now it takes longer and it's more expensive. Like where, where do you see the market going? I think real commercial real estate is going to stay pretty solid. It really depends on what they're going to do with these interest rates. You know, if we're going to have three pops this year, then I don't think we're going to be affected too badly. And a lot of it's been baked in already, right? So. I don't think it'll affect us too much, but it depends on really what they do with those interest rates. So somebody that's new, you really want to be reading. You want to be on all these news channels every morning, reading the Wall Street Journal online. You want to be all that, staying on top of it. And that's one thing, Dan, is a new investor. I think a lot of people think I'm going to invest in passive income, right? You still have to watch that market. You have to treat it like it's a day job. Right. You know, and that's something that we do every day. We look at the all the content that's put out, look at like by the time I get to the office, I've looked at six different publications uh, with my morning coffee. What um, what lessons you've, you've been around for a while now in the real estate game? What what lessons? <laughs> you just call me all day. <laughs> no, no, just it's it's uh, you've got the wisdom and experience of, of seeing multiple market cycles, right? There's right. Yeah, like, I've seen it. You know, anyone who's been in this 10 years or less has only really yeah. known one kind of market. So, right. um, you know, being a, a veteran of multiple market cycles, what, yeah. what kind of lessons from those, those times it's, when it's not like just, today you know, would, you, would you, you know, tell people? I think it's listen. You know, a lot of people, like I was just saying, make sure you're reading constantly. Make sure you're looking at what's going on. And you got to treat it, real estate is a local investment. A lot of people, you know, they look at Texas, they look at California. 
No, no. You need to look. If you're gonna be in, you're gonna be in multifamily in Hollywood. You better know multifamily in Hollywood. That should be first and foremost. And then you know the other markets as well. What's going? But you need to really make sure that you. It's it's a localized market, and you need to know what's going on within your community. That's the number one thing I've learned is that, you know, what's going on in Hollywood, what's going on in Inglewood, what's going on in Culver City, Dallas, Austin, all completely different in different submarkets. So. Be on top of your market. All right. Um, well, this has been great, Joe. Before we sign off, I always like to end with a hyper fast round if you're ready for some rapid fire questions oh, and answers. Oh, Jesus. I'm <laughs> terrible at these. All right. Let's try it out. All right. What's your biggest piece of advice to a new investor? Ah, patience. You know, it's like that second property that I talked about earlier. I should have been patient. I just fell in love with the property and I should have fallen in love with the, you know, need to fall in love with the numbers and then the property. All right. If you had to start over and all you could take was your knowledge, you couldn't take your reputation or your money or, or connections. You could just take the knowledge and lessons you've learned for doing this. Uh, what would your first move be? As, as a new investor? Yeah. Uh, I would take a few hundred dollars and put it into a real estate investment trust that I felt was secure so I could start getting the information that they send to you mm. and really start studying that. How is that investment made? What are they looking for? Looking at everything that they're looking for. And then once I've done that for a little while and I feel comfortable, then I'd make my first foray into maybe a small retail product um, or a two to two, four unit and then start doing that, self-manage it, then just start building my portfolio. If I build it up until where I had enough uh, multifamily and I would start mixing some triple net properties into it, some STNLs, so I can have a little bit more secure, you know, take the risk profile from going up to more stabilizing it, and then just keep building my portfolio from there. What, um what what REITs do you like for the, the purpose of investing to get that information? I Right now, um, apartment REIT, I don't have any specific that I, that I look at, but I would really be focused on um, industrial and or multifamily. Multifamily probably first. All right. What's the biggest challenge you've ever had in real estate, and what did you learn from it? Ooh. Um... I would say patience has been my biggest problem. I'm just a, I'm an A-type personality. It's a Leo, right? So I wanted it yesterday. And, and so, but I have to, it's cost me a couple times. I probably pushed a little too hard on a couple deals. And so I should have been more patient. I should have known when to, to gauge what was being said. And I was just close, close, close. What I should have been, you know, let's let's see how I can make this, massage this, and make this a better deal for everybody. All right, last question. Where do you see yourself 10 years from now? I want to have, I grew up in a small town in Nebraska, Wallback, Nebraska, a town of 280 people. So um, hated work. I grew up on a farm, so I hated work on a farm. But I, as I get older, I find that I'm very attracted to being back in that environment and being on either a ranch or a, you know not not a working farm at least to land out i don't want to do the work 
because uh, it's a lot of work, but leasing land out and uh, or a ranch, you know, farm a ranch, leasing it out and enjoying life then. All right, Joe, thank you so much for being on the show. Before we sign off, uh, if the listeners or viewers out there want to connect with you or, um, you know, learn more about your education and mentor programs, what are the best ways they should do that? I've got a YouTube channel geared strictly for real estate investing. If you want to become a real estate investor or a real estate agent, you just go under Joe Killinger on YouTube. Or you can go on to uh, joekillinger.co. Joekillinger.co, we have a website with all that on there as well. All right. Well, thank you so much for being on the show today, Joe, and all of the uh, amazing insights you're able to give our listeners and viewers. And to all of our listeners and viewers, thanks a lot for tuning in. Uh, Please leave us some feedback and share this with people that you think could benefit from seeing and watch and listening as well. We'll see you next time.